You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hi, this is Benny Goodman, and welcome to episode number two of 2020. On this episode, we talked to Richard Shaw, who is one of the greatest guitarists that maybe you've heard of from a band called Cradle of Filth. Maybe you have not. Regardless, this man is a musical prodigy. He's a brand new dad, and he's got some stories to tell in a really cool accent from somewhere over the pond, so you should probably stick around. It was recorded a little bit earlier this year. I'm here with my buddy, Corey, and my friend is always in crime, Siobhan Cronin. How you guys doing? Doing great. Good. Yeah, we recorded this one back in uh, in June, so this was uh, in the midst of the pandemic. So you're going to hear some, you know, talk about still trying to figure some stuff out. Yeah. Well, Richard Shaw's wife was pregnant. She is no longer pregnant. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats, Richard. He has a beautiful son. He's been taking pictures with his doggy and his kid, and I'm just like, dude, you're. You're, you're killing me with the cuteness. And it's like, of course, from the cradle of filth. And it's like, the puns are endless. <laughs> right. Yeah, so we, we spent some time talking about the fact that he was about to become a father. And it's amazing how the time flies because even we've developed in some of our technical abilities on the podcast as well. Uh, we did a lot of this over Zoom in the first bit. And over time, we've acquired some better audio equipment. So <laughs> you might notice some interesting things going on there. And the cool thing is we actually have something current to tell you versus like back in June, which is go see Cradle of Filth on October 30th uh, at CradleOfFilth.com. Play live. I mean, what more of a badass yeah. way to rock off Halloween? Live live via your computer. Live doing stream, the live stream. Yes. Yeah. I mean, socially distanced and yet still current. <laughs> but yeah, this is a fun episode. I, th I hope you guys enjoy it. I don't. Hi, I'm Benny Goodman, and welcome to another edition of 2020. I hope that you've survived this week and that you weren't 2020. Uh, I want to first and foremost introduce my cohorts in debauchery. They will go to jail along with me. It's Siobhan Cronin, uh, the pretty one, and then the other prettier one. And I say that oh, wow. to all the men out there. All Because they're, they're going to be like, he's a tall drink of water. We got Corey Peza and breaking the seal. Joining the herd all the way from across the damn pond, we have the illustrious, the wonderful, the absolutely incredible musician with the huntsman spider for a left hand, Mr. Richard Shaw from Cradle of Filth. Give him a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm glad to be breaking my seal, as you put it on there. It sounds a bit dirty when I say that for some reason. Yes, I'm breaking my seal on your show. It's the accent. It probably it is. It, there's some things that I cannot get away with with my accent, so I'm really, really <laughs> sorry if anything comes across as really vulgar when it's you'll, not you'll fit in. You'll fit in just fine here, don't no, worry. Uh, <laughs> okay. and, and listen, I, I grew up with a Scottish mother, and we've been to Scotland many times, so I, I totally oh, get, you, you I, get that then. Yeah, <laughs> we have a Scottish bass player, and the, really? stuff, the stuff he comes out with where you're like, what? Say that again, but like, less offensive. <laughs> well, see, so. for us Americans, though, whenever we're in Scotland, like, I understand the accent because I've grown up with it, but, like, all my bandmates are like, can you translate that for me? I'm like, they're speaking English. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what yeah. it's like as, a, as you know, someone from England to hear if it's, if it's confusing or if you're just used to the accent. Maybe it's just an American thing. I think it's just weird in the UK. It seems like the, the more north you get, the more offensive the language sounds. Well, the more drunk they are. So that's <laughs> exactly. 
Like Londoners, I, I can't take Londoners. Yeah, pretty much. I, I can't take Londoners seriously um, because even when they swear, it just sounds too polite. It's like it's like <laughs> from Michael, Michael. It's like Michael Caine to like Brad Pitt and whatever that silly movie was where he, he could oh, barely speak. Oh, it was um, was it Snatch? Snatch, Snatch. Yeah, with the Irish accent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows what accent that was? He wasn't even speaking, was he? <laughs> It's like I get offended by Kevin Costner in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Okay. He's, meant, he's meant to be from where I'm from. And it's like Why are you analyzing it any further than the fact that that movie just sucked balls? <laughs> <laughs> I loved that film as a kid. I, I, I don't know. As a child, there was plenty of things I loved. You know what I mean? I loved the movie It. And then I realized that only Tim Curry makes this whole movie amazing. And it's understandable why it was never, ever, ever a big thing for years and years and years. Because it's terrible! But as a child, I was horrified. Because Stephen King, just the, just the name instilled fear in my heart. But as you grow older, some things just don't age well. Like my face. Yes. <laughs> like lots of things. <laughs> hair growing from strange orifices that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> so I have to ask you, Richard, I have to ask you a very personal question. Because the whole concept behind 2020 is that, you know, like what's going on? You just got 2020. It's, we're putting it into the everyday vernacular. But I've been following you um, on Instagram, and it doesn't seem like you've been affected, because one, you, you you're you're having a child, so that's like one of the most amazing things. So congratulations, like that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And then every single day, I'm seeing these updates from the Cradle of Filth like album, and it's like more scary, huge stacks of amps. And it just looks like, you know, every metal band says our next record is going to be heavier and better. But, like, if you're trying to prove it online, like, I believe you. I believe that this is going to be the best one ever. So how have you avoided getting 2020? Because, like, in America, like, shit's going down. Oh, it, yeah. We, we see the news over here and we're just like, what the hell? And it is spilling over into the UK as well. I don't know if you guys are seeing what's going on in the UK. We're, we're pretty much getting what you guys are getting, but like a week later. It yeah. Seems. Uh, in wow. good ways and bad ways, you know, the, the good stuff we seem to be going, yeah, you know what? We need to say something about that. It's We've been too quiet for too long kind of thing. So, And then the bad stuff kind of goes with that as well. But uh, in terms of my 2020, it's been <laughs> oddly amazing so far, obviously because I'm, I'm going to be a dad um, and everything's really, really cool and awesome and everything I ever wanted in that respect. Uh, but I was very, very lucky. I it's was refreshing to hear a man say such wonderful things about having a child. Yeah. It's almost Isn't like you did it deliberately. Oh, no. I've never done anything <laughs> deliberately. My entire life has been like a jazz fucking sketch. <laughs> Nothing's deliberate. A, a jazz odyssey. <laughs> you know. Um, no, um, no, it was really cool, but um, everything has been kind of okay for me at the moment in terms of my 2020. Um, it sucks because I, I lost a lot of my teaching work because I'll do a lot of teaching work face to face. That all of a sudden it was like, well, that can't happen anymore. And then obviously we, we were quite lucky in the sense that we weren't meant to be on tour until today, weirdly enough. It was meant to be oh, our yeah. first day on tour. We were meant to be in Finland and then Belarus and Russia uh, and then pretty much hit the summer festivals pretty hard. Uh, and obviously that happened to be canceled. But I was lucky in the sense that I was already in the studio with Cradle of Filth when the lockdown in the UK was announced. Um, so as far as I was concerned, 
change there was no change at all to right. be honest because it was like mm. i was self-isolating with our producer in the middle of nowhere in the english countryside <laughs> so it, so there was no difference as far we, as we, I we talk about that we talk about that all the time is like really you know we spend most of our time isolated in dark studios anyways so mm. we're exactly. somewhat fortunate that our life is so sad and uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> if anything and people you mentioned it but like richard is an incredible incredible teacher um don't you love the idea of not even having to talk like to, to like be in a physical room with somebody like you can keep our <laughs> smell and they can just leave by just closing your laptop like isn't that like a better thing for you because i know corey has been trying to figure out how to get me and siobhan out of the picture since the day he met us just you just you <laughs> But no, no, it, this, this, sometimes I do like the personal connection when it's just like you know you just have a quick chat over a coffee before before you have a lesson and all that. And now it's like right, okay, go. The lesson has yeah. started now. You know, right. right? The lesson is over. Blah blah. <laughs> this is what you've paid for. Kindly fuck off. And like, but, but but there's some of them, especially the little kids. And I, and I love teaching the little kids, but this. The thing I don't miss is when they go, can you tune my guitar for me? Yes. There you go. Are you like, oh, okay. That explains why I'm can so I, Can sick. I ask you this? <laughs> so I have to ask you this because, you know, I was doing my research, my research this morning. Okay. I was going back and I was listening to some Cradle of Filth because, you know, I've seen you guys a few times. Actually, one time which on your website, which needs to be updated because I've seen interviews since then, you said your favorite uh, festival ever was at the Amnesia Rock Festival in 2014, which I drove to Montebello, Canada for with my buddy Brian Pitcher. You guys both fucking know that loser. I love him. Um, and we went and saw you. I was front row. So I, I, I saw that. Um, but I, I just wanted to know, um, you're in a band called Cradle of Filth. And I'm not a parent, but I feel like if I was, I would not let my children study with you. Um, look, luckily, not many people know who Cradle of Filth are, which works in my favour. I've got the ultimate thing, because people who know who Cradle of Filth are, uh, don't, they're not bothered about sending Even their kids for lessons. Even sound filthy when yeah. you say it. Yeah, yeah, Cradle of Filth, it sounds, I don't know, it's, it is an awfully polite way of putting it with my accent, I suppose. <laughs> we need to like rebrand, like we're, we're not controversial enough. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe in the early, to, mid nineties, Cradle of Filth was a very controversial thing, but now it's- Well, I much. saw the shirt, okay, so. So yeah, for those that don't know, I don't, let's yeah. not be, let's not get mad. Let's not get mad because it's about to, we're about to trigger everybody. We're about to 2020 the mm. entire fucking audience. Oh, let's trigger I remember, it. No, I remember being in the Greendale Mall in Worcester, Massachusetts, which is where I'm from, Worcestershire, out by you. Um, and I saw uh, like a 15-year-old in the arcade playing Street Fighter 2. And he was kicking ass. And he was wearing a shirt that says, Jesus is a cow. And I remember, like, the next day, like, uh, what was that guy, uh, Norris, like, the guy on MTV News, like, or Kurt Loder or something was like, Cradle of Filth, the people have been suspended because they've been wearing Cradle of Filth shirts. And all of a sudden, this shirt that said the thing I said that's going to trigger everybody, like, caused the biggest row. And first off, I was Great like, marketing, great at marketing. 14, yeah, at 14, whatever, 15, <laughs> I was like, I don't know who this band is, but I want to listen to them. It was just like Iron Maiden. I bought the album because it scared me. Like, Eddie scared me. So, like, yeah. Great Old Filth, I was like, oh, my God, if he was an Iron Maiden, these guys must kill animals. 
Now, it, it's a weird thing, because obviously this whole thing happened way before I joined the band. I mean, I was like, how old was I when that first album came out? I was like nine years old. I was going to say, how old are you, dude? Out. You're like, yeah. So, yeah, so obviously all this was kind of happening way before I joined. And I remember on my very first show with Cradle of Filth where I knew, I literally met the band the day before the first show I played with them. And I, I just remember the merch stand being set up at that very first show in Munich. And I took a picture and sent it to my mom. And my mom was like, I'm so proud. I'm so proud that you're in a band that, with that. And she was like, oh, I, I'm glad you're following your dream. But really, do they really have to sell that T-shirt? <laughs> Oh well, I can see, I can see yeah. as, as a mother might be upset because from what I'm, I've, I've read on the paper that I wrote down uh, that you've been in over 50 musical theater productions. So yeah. where normally I'd be like Pantera or Meshuga, I'm going to ask you a much more important question. Andrew Lloyd Webber or Stephen Sondheim? Oh, don't do that to me. Oh, I'm going oh. to. All of our listeners are like, dude, I haven't huffed enough glue to understand what you guys are talking about. But I really want to know because I have a personal favorite, but I would like to know yours. Oh, that's so harsh, man. <laughs> oh. I, 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 I don't know. I think I'm leaning more towards Andrew Lloyd Webber purely because... Well, he's like a greatest that hit was, of himself. Exactly. I don't know. It's uh, he knows you have no attention span because if you listen to anything, it's like you know. If you listen to uh, uh, you know Phantom of the Opera, there's three songs in 27 songs. It's just pretty it's, much, yeah. It's yeah, that's true. Yeah. Death. So it's like if Max Martin was writing musicals, it would be Andrew Lloyd Webber, which is why you leave humming music of the night, where Stephen Sondheim is so above my pay grade. I don't. I can't remember <laughs> a damn thing from a funny thing happened on the way to the forum because it's it's so. It's like Frank Zappa couldn't even keep up with those notes. I, I, I think that's what it is. I think Lloyd Webber was the ultimate like gateway for a lot of people mm -hmm. into musical. He's like theater. the marijuana. He, of like, 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 yeah, he he knew even when I was a kid, and it's almost like you could see it as him being a shrewd businessman, but I thought it was also him being a great musician where it's like, okay, I'm going to write musicals for kids. I'm going to do Starlight Express. I'm going to do uh, Josephine's Technical Dreamcoat. Like to almost to get the youth into musical theater. Whereas I think personally, Stephen Sondheim didn't really do that for me. I didn't really get into Stephen Sondheim until I was already into musical theater. Hold on, no, so so I think, can, can you finish the sentence? It was uh, red and yellow and green. No. I don't understand. <laughs> like, like, I, I don't listen. No, because it's stuck in my head. It's red and yellow and green and orange and blue because it's the color of his Technicolor dream coat because when I saw Donny Osmond sing that when I was seven, it was burned into my retina, like literally like <laughs> put a cattle broad. So I just didn't know if you'd been operantly conditioned. Now, now, to be fair, I just think lyrics are wasted time between guitar solos anyway. So I don't go. really listen to them. So Spoken, yeah, like, a true, yeah. Yeah, spoken like a true person on a Lost Symphony record. <laughs> so Richard, why don't you talk a little bit, you know, obviously that's, that's a very interesting dichotomy in your musical career. What was the path that led you through, you know, musical theater and then and to get to this point in, you know, the Cradle of Filth era? Uh, it was the beer, wasn't that's it? a very good question. I was just very lucky. I went to a music school and just what the, the only goal for me was I need to earn a living playing guitar. I really didn't care how I did it. I just loved playing guitar and I was very lucky that 
I grew up in a household where every style of music was going on and I never saw music as genres. I was just like, is it cool or not? And that's all I was ever bothered about. I, so even when I came out of music school, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to get into teaching guitar as a, just a way to like earn a bit of money until I decide what I'm going to do with my musical career. And then I found out I really enjoyed teaching. And then through teaching it privately and teaching in schools, um, a lot of times the, the schools were put on like musicals, but they didn't have like anyone at the school who was good enough to play the guitar parts. So it was like being a guitar teacher, they were like, do you mind playing guitar parts? Not a problem. I mean, I was even doing it when, when I was at school, like being the only person who knew what a major seventh chord was on the guitar, <laughs> you know, instead of a power chord, you know? Right. So it was like, so automatically I got hired to play the school musicals and that's kind of carried on. And then, Strangely enough, I made contacts with crew members from all these famous bands because where I live, you know, I live in the Midlands, so it seems to be the hub for like roadies. Like English roadies seem to live in the middle like of that the, guy you know, from Wayne's World too that sleeps upside down and oh yeah, D- Del Preston is pretty much like everybody I know around here. It's pretty crazy. Like, <laughs> like it's um. Like, they, they'll always start their stories. I love that you knew was, that. Uh, like, yeah, <laughs> honestly, all these guys, every time you meet them at a bar or something, it's like, I was in Sri Lanka, formerly Ceylon. You're like, ah, they've gone talk very little. And, you know, and, and I kind of, like, met a few of these guys through doing a musical theatre scene, weirdly enough, because when they're not on tour with these massive rock and metal bands, they still come home, they're like, well, I'm not on tour, I'm going to do sound or lights or whatever for musical theater productions so i just got chatting to these guys and they don't know they don't really see what they're doing as like a really cool thing but i stayed in touch with one guy in particular who lives down the road from me and he happened to be the sound guy for cradle of filth and then i got a call one night like two o'clock in the morning i got a call going uh do you want to go on a tour of europe for one month but in February, this was like tail end of December. Um, and I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I was just thinking it's going to be like another musical theater thing or maybe like a three chord wonder punk band. He says, no, it's for Cradle of Filth. Do you want to give it a go? I was like, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that <laughs> I wasn't really sure because I'd never really played anything like Cradle of Filth. I played yeah. in metal bands but nothing as extreme as that i never even played along to blast beats or anything so it was a very steep learning curve and i literally they called me up on the final day of auditions they're like if you can get an audition tape done by tonight that would really help us out um and apparently auditions have been been held for like three or four weeks at this point but they're getting really desperate yeah and like there's about 15 or 20 people have been asked but nobody had handed in their audition tape yet so they're getting very desperate there was something like 10 10 guys from the states from what i gather some of them were named like known bands yeah known players but I don't they still won't tell me who they are but they're like you'll know them you'll know them <laughs> and I'm like uh, but I think they just got to the point where they were asking the crew guys what, does anybody know anyone we don't exactly want to advertise it that we've lost yeah. both guitar players because it might affect ticket sales and all this kinds of stuff um, so we need to keep it pretty quiet they can't just say does anyone want to audition for the band it's like yeah that's that's awesome man and I, I think that's a common story you hear where it's just you have to be obviously know your stuff, but just being 
willing to go for something and be prepared that if something comes up the last minute and you jump on it, it can, it can lead you, you know, to, to great places. Well, it's so, a lot. it's so yeah. funny. Cause I, obviously this is the first time we're meeting, at least for me. And I had watched an interview. I don't remember with who, but one of the favorite, my favorite things that you said was something along the lines of say yes now and worry later. Pretty and much. I feel like that is yeah. <laughs> so powerful. No, it really yeah. is because I think that is something that limits so many people, including me and like a lot of professional musicians is, you know, we're waiting for that level of perfection and there you're not willing to take the risk or like, you know, even just getting something in first, you know. I'm just going to so interrupt powerful. you for a second so that Richard has some background. She's in a band called Star Set, which is actually a real band. So we're Lost Symphony, lostsymphony.com, <laughs> chapter one, Richard Conant, um, which is our sponsor. Like we're, yeah. So where we basically are like, kind of a fake band that has like a sort of thing going on like somebody threw some money at us and like we're all right Siobhan has been with Trans-Siberian Orchestra she's played on her website I looked you up too it's also on here Earth Wind and Fire it says Michael Clay Andre Bocelli and then now you're playing in this Lincoln Parky like 30 Seconds to Mars band that's just printing money so Richard I didn't mean to interrupt the, the lady, but I want you to understand that she's also like where, where Corey and I are like the guys cleaning up after the show. Siobhan <laughs> is also the talent. No, but listen, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky in a lot of ways because I'm a violinist that has ended up in kind of a combined niche of different styles of music. Whereas so many violinists that go to music school, you know, and it's not necessarily their fault or they, maybe they like it, but a lot of them just end up purely in classical music or purely in one other direction. And another thing, Richard, that you said that I really appreciated is just, to have that versatility to, you know, even when you're off tour, you go home and you play other types of music. So when I'm not playing with star set, I'm playing with ballet orchestra and classical stuff, well, Led Zeppelin cover bands, you whatever. Too? So I, when I went and actually did the research because I, I had to do research because now that we How have a guest- How did you have to research me? Well, <laughs> I know now you. That, now that we have a guest though, I feel like I, there's, a, there's a higher level, but you guys have so much in common between like the bands, the studious nature. You're both like very, elegant and articulate i mean he's got a wonderful beautiful beard and you have a perfect <laughs> mane of hair together you could be samson like, <laughs> no, i just feel like there's so much you can talk and like where someone said hey do you want to play in cradle of filth i would just listen to that music once and be like that's a lot of homework and i would give up i would give up <laughs> yeah not, not a lot of homework <laughs> no no i know but I, it's not that i couldn't do it i could do your job richard i can do it the problem is but he couldn't grow the beard and that's what I, well that's well uh, i could i could yeah. the problem is is that i would never ever ever have the ambition the the wherewithal uh, the, the talent the feel or I, I couldn't do it but the point is i'd try and i would i'd fail before i even tried no, but I think this is part of the general principle that like part of your job as a musician, if you want to be able to seize these opportunities, it's to just always be ready. You know, and I don't know who I heard on a podcast, I think it was Will Smith that said it. It was like, I don't have to get ready. I'm always ready. You know, because yeah. a lot of times it really is the last minute, even with Starset. I think I got called a week or a week and a half before the first tour. And I had to learn like every album for a full headline set, you know, from memory. <sighs> wow. You know, so luckily you know, I have a pretty good ear. I was, I had the time that I could work on it, but you know, maybe if it was something I had to struggle just to read the music to then have to memorize it, I wouldn't be ready, you know, yeah, exactly. but it helps As a girl I... playing Bach with a hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Did but you that's... see this, Richard? Did you see this? I've not, I, I've not seen it, but this sounds like the, 
best thing on that could well, be on the internet. This is, why, this is why I want you guys to meet because, like, so Richard is bringing back all these amazing riffs that um, he. Yeah. I love that. It's yeah. so cool. It's, that is such a great it's thing. Such you're doing. a wonderful thing. But then we're. Richard, I know, like, I, I think it's amazing, but then all of a sudden, this jerk has to go and be like, oh yeah, you wanna play Black Cat by Janet Jackson? How about I just pull out Bach with a dude in another country and play a hurdy fucking gurdy to it and make it sound ridiculous? So you're sitting here playing Nuno, we think Nuno's fucking God, and this girl's like, oh God, J.S. Bach. And then he, and the hurdy gurdy. Like, it's like a Lee Mark, the Benchy fucking thing. I don't know if you've seen it, but I, does he have, is that I've what it is? It. No, it's, it's a nickel harpa. So hurdy-gurdy is a little different, but it, you know. I don't even know. Educate <laughs> me, Siobhan. No, I did the, not go to school. But the point is I love doing these things. Like I, if I, even if I don't have something to do, I'm always wanting to learn something or like, you know, collaborate with somebody. That That's just part of what drives me, you know, cause I just mm. love the music. And it, it's it's a, a, you know, beneficial side effect that I, you know, get stronger as a violinist just by doing these things. But I really just do it cause I love it, you know? Yeah. I think it's one of the things about musicians who really, truly love music. I don't know about you guys, but I don't relax very well. I, I'm constantly in the back of my mind thinking, I could be doing this, I could be doing that. We I'm had this exact conversation. He's out by time. He's like, what am I supposed to be doing? I, I was saying in a, in a previous podcast yes, that like exactly. re relaxing is one of the most stressful activities I can do. It, it is. <laughs> it is. I just... I kind of feel like I should be doing something. Why am I not playing guitar right now? Why am I not creating? Why am I, am I not practicing? You know? No, here, let me let me tell you what the secret is. The secret is is making other people more stressed out than you, and that's <laughs> relaxing. <laughs> that sounds stressful in true, itself. Yeah, yeah. So this morning now, I woke up and I wrote all these things that I then said and delegated and passed the buck to Corey and Siobhan. Expected them <laughs> to know. So where I'd normally be stressed out talking to someone of your 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 nature, where you're kind enough to spend your time with us. You know what I mean? Being in an unbelievable band like Cradle of Filth, play, spreading the word of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Stephen Sondheim. But I can blame them if this doesn't go well. <laughs> and, and just knowing that has made me feel better about myself. No matter oh how that yeah, makes, makes you instantly relax. Relax. I'm chill. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that I wanted to jump in and ask, because I, you know, I come from the world of like going to music school and like, you know, very square training, which we've talked about on previous episodes. But I'm curious about your experience in music school, um, you know, because I'm always interested in how, you know, people experience music school in other countries versus the U.S. You know, like, do you feel like you got a really well-rounded education in terms of what you actually do as a guitar player or making a living? Oh, definitely. I think mm -hmm. I was incredibly lucky. I went to a place called uh, the Academy of Contemporary Music in Guildford. So it was my first experience. Hold on, explain this to me. Home. What's Guildford's, what? is Sur Surrey, Surrey? S Surrey. 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 So is that the state? Is that a... Surrey, an Surrey is like, is it's, that it's a, what we call, <laughs> it's like what we, what we call a county. A county. So, a county. So basically, because England is so fucking small, <laughs> obviously, like, you can fit England God knows how many times in Texas or yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's something like 19 t lots of England can fit in Texas or something like that. I thought uh, you said Surrey, so you must be kidding. And I, I, I realized it was Surrey United Kingdom. Surrey <laughs> United Kingdom. 
Yeah, just oh. sorry, United Kingdom. Well, I'm sorry. sorry about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about the UK. I feel like I should apologise to America. Sorry, sorry for the UK. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, like, um, you no, might have more to apologise for, man. <laughs> yeah. We should but, be apologising um, to you yeah. in your in your <laughs> accent, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, sorry for butchering my language. And all, yeah. My language, like I invented it. You know? yeah. uh, to, to be fair, I can't even speak English properly. There's some accents in the UK where I'm like, what? Say that again. And it's li- they're literally half an hour down the road from me. And the there are some places in the US like that. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, it, it, it literally, apparently there was a study in it in the, in the UK, like the accent changes something like every 16 minutes. Every 16-minute drive, it's a different accent. Wow. You, you find this pretty weird. Because well, 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 so let's get back to the Yeah, the, the yeah, school. Ben does yeah, 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 yeah. So, sorry, I go off on tangents as well, so you have to set me back on track. Um, so, yeah, so my experience of, of, of music school was just amazing. Like, the, the fact that I was, it was the first time I was away from home and developing this independence. And as, like, where I came from, I was almost seen as a weird, nerdy kid who just wanted to play guitar all the time. Whereas when I went to music school, I was surrounded by all the nerdy kids who were like the same as me. And I, I'd never yeah. had that before. And it was just afforded me the opportunity to basically eat, sleep, and breathe music. There was no other distractions. Mm-hmm. And even things I never even thought about, like reading music. Why would a guitar player need to read music? Kind of thing. What? I just play power chords, don't I? Um, and... Weirdly enough, I just took on everything that I was taught because they're like, right, learn it now because there's never going to be an opportunity in your life where you're going to spend three years of your life doing this 24-7. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen again when all the adult shit gets in the way. Like when life gets in the way and you're off and away doing what you need to do to earn a living and do what you do as an adult, you're not going to have this time. So just trust us, learn everything we teach you. And I was like, yeah, but when am I ever going to need to read music? literally came out of music school and it's like, here you go, here's a musical theatre job. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's why I needed to learn to read music. I get it. And like I was doing studio sessions and it was, they don't hand you tab. It's right. all, it's either here's the music or here's a copy can, of- Can you, can you hum that to me, please? Top. Can you just hum that part? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, um, it's like, yeah, the notes are like E, F, and G. It's like, okay, which fret is that? Yeah. <laughs> My friend yeah, like, has this tattooed on his arm. no but that's that's an amazing that's an amazing skill because like even from my end I think about all the time I'm like oh this would be so cool if I could play this duet with a guitar player and then you know I send it to someone's like well I can't read this music and this sounds too complicated to learn by ear it's going to take me forever and I'm like well I don't know how to tab it out so I guess we can't do it (laughs) exactly it was it it was that realization that tab doesn't exist in the real world that kind of (laughs) frightened me a little bit and I was like okay I've either got to have a really good ear which thankfully I do have a good ear um and really well you have to because I'm gonna go back to our sponsor because the thing is we're (laughs) Lost Symphony is the band that we are all in and the whole premise of 2020 is that we're we're figuring out as a band that can't do anything like what can we do so we'll talk about being in a band um, but I got, I got to be honest with you. It's not that like, I want to say I underestimated you. I didn't have really a sense of your you play. You thought I was shit. Let's well, I mean, I, I thought. He's in a band. 
He just tremolo picks power chords. Well, this guy knows nothing. I mean, on, be honest, Benny. It, be that's honest. That's, you that's didn't what, know about my love of beauty. And I will be honest. That's what, Drew, <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, like, that's what Drew said about you. And I said, I'll give him a shot. And then I wasn't sure by then. <laughs> but I mean, if I listen to Drew, like, like, a I'm, shot. But the. You know, you made me lose my whole fucking train of thought. Well, it's fine because I've well, got a million I'm other questions. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, well, I've got. So, sorry, Benny. Did I distract you? Wow. Who? <laughs> no, but I'm curious. Who would have thought that Benny could be distracted? Oh, oh my, my god. god. No, but on the topic of uh, on, guys, on the topic of school, on the topic of school, I'm just curious from your uh, experience, like what was not to get too nerdy, but like what sort of courses like encompassed your degree? Because for me, everything was very like violin focused and you know ear training and sight reading, whatever. But there was absolutely no exposure to like writing, improvisation. Nice. Um, music technology. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a whole separate discipline that you know they didn't even encourage you to necessarily get into. If you said you were a violinist, it was like we're just going to teach a violin. Yeah. We call it okay. double bass. Yeah. Don't get into it. <laughs> so how it kind of was with, with me was I was very lucky because it was guitar focused. Like they had bass focused, drum focused, vocals, mm -hmm. DJing, uh, DJing school as well. <laughs> um, and production, I think that was all they had at the time, but I know it's branched out since. Um, but they would do the same thing where it was like every day you'd have like sight reading classes, ear training classes. Uh, you'd learn a song on the Monday and they'd get you in bands on the Friday and expect wow. you to know the, know the song inside out. Was it, was, was, was it always a manic Monday for you? It was always a manic Monday. I remember the I think you were a Prince the, fan, so I didn't know if you knew the Bengals. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that. It's an yeah, underrated I, riff. I, I, okay. it, is an, it could be an underrated riff. It could be Prince one for wrote the future. It. It's underrated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but they, they did do everything where uh, there was a little bit of focus on the, the music tech side of things, but now it's become compulsory. I've been very lucky to be asked to do master classes and actually give lectures and, and like teach for course at my old university, which is pretty crazy. Um, and now it's become part and parcel of the course that they do music tech. Because I was that guitar player until very, very recently, didn't know how to like self-record or I never needed Amazing, to. And yeah. then all of a sudden I was thrust right. into it. It was like, right, I've got to learn how to do this. It was the same <laughs> with me. Clean. No, it's interesting. I remember, yeah. so I, I, took a hit, I took a hit of weed and I remembered what you did <laughs> distract me from. And it was actually a compliment, <laughs> Richard. It was a compliment about you that I did not expect what you gave us. I'm British. We don't <laughs> accept compliments well. I know. No. I know we it's deflect. Just, We're brilliant at deflecting. Well, that's, that's why I want to um, give you a compliment because making you uncomfortable is even better than complimenting you. So um, that said, we sent you a song called Premeditated Destruction, also on Chapter 1. If you haven't heard it, lostsymphony.com. Yeah. Richard destroys this section that's in 13. And um, I got to tell you, when we first sent to him, Corey and I were like, we'll see. Because <laughs> yeah. we didn't even know what we were doing on it. We had no idea. We we're like, good luck with this like, I'm glad I don't have to solo on this part. <laughs> yeah, it's 13. Right. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense, really. It's kind of all over the place. So and he we, sends us so yeah. yeah, we actually have it. So let's take a listen, and then I want to talk a little bit about how you approached <laughs> it. So let's check it out. It's amazing how I remember it.
So damn, damn, dude. <laughs> See, here's the funny part. So Corey, so so the the listeners can know. We did a sound check beforehand, and he was like, "Can you hear it?" And I think what he said was blasting was actually coming from his his earphones. So I know the solo, and I know Siobhan knows the solo. And I know that Richard knows the solo. So we're watching Corey just fucking rock out like Kanye, like loose my new beat. And like meanwhile, we're over here like, yeah, I think it's the cool part. I was like, there's a fly in my ear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think we just heard it through your headphones, bro. But oh. the solo rocks as our <laughs> listeners can hear for themselves. So yeah. let me just go back on what I was saying about the solo because we all know the solo. Um, when I first heard that, my first thought was I looked over to Corey. Did he really play that? And it wasn't like, meant to be an insult. It was just like I immediately thought to myself, I can't play that. And then I thought to myself, You must I don't think know that, that a lot, dude. I, don't, every time <laughs> I do. Oh. I do. But then hold on, I go down a whole list. I think that most solos we get back, I go, I can't play that. Well, yeah, no. So I go down a whole list, and then I think to myself, like other good guitar players. And there was like at least seven or eight people that I thought progressively got better. But I was like, Is this guy really at the same level of all these guys I have so much esteem for? And then this jerk off has his other jerk off friend, Mr. Danny Beardsley, who happens to be one of the best fucking guitar players in the world that I didn't know about, sends me the video. And it's like watching a huntsman spider just go up and down the fucking fretboard. And I'm just like, I don't want to compete if there's that, that guy's out there. And, And then here's the thing is too, I have to realize that I'm over half a decade older than you. So not only have I been playing for substantially longer, I'm substantially worse. So like you'd say there's diminishing returns. There is no law of exponentiality. It's a lie. It stopped. It totally peaked for me at maybe seven. And then it was just downhill. So I got to bless you, man, because what you did for this record, and I think as everybody can hear, Siobhan and Corey, you can speak for yourselves, but I was floored. And I went from thinking Cradle of Filth was a cool band and like, you know, it's cool to wear the shirt because I offend people because I like that. <laughs> that's metal. Like that's metal by itself. But to thinking that you, sir, I want to take lessons from, which you should tell everybody how they can because give this man money, go call yeah. him. He's got a kid on the way. We will, so we will, good. We're definitely going to link to your lessons, man. Um, but no, I think for the, when we got that back, like Ben said, we, we were like, okay, he that exceeded our expectations, man. You could have easily taken that and been a super chromatic, very atonal solo, but you made it musical, which was super impressive, I think. Yeah, hard to do. Thank you. Thank you. That, that's always the thing about music that always excited me. I think I went through my phase earlier in my career and in my like late teens where it was like the faster, the better and all this kind of stuff. And I don't know, discovering all nice. my... Uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and it just got to a point where i was like whatever i do <laughs> whatever i do has to be musical because otherwise what is the point it just becomes an exercise and when you sent me the music i was like oh <laughs> like what do i do like because this is oh this is like it was like over a minute long solo as well. Like solo yeah. for over a minute. I was like, in 13, I was like, cheers. Go. I was like, I, was, I almost felt like calling up going, is there anything left in 4-4? Four, four? Yeah. Anything, I'll take it. I'll take it. I actually had said to myself, like we could give him another part of the songs or we could just throw him this curveball." And I didn't know you that. So like to give some people some background, our, my buddy Drew, 
um, who is our buddy, who was your guitar tech at one point, but he's a, a, an unbelievable guy, just a wonderful dude. He was really good friends with our friend Ollie, um, who passed. And actually, Ollie brought me together, and Ollie brought Drew, myself, and Siobhan. Like, so it all goes back together. And the way that Richard was introduced to me, so I got a call. I'm in the middle of recording um, Lost Symphony. And I'm so clearly busy, but he, he calls me, and he just says, do you want to come to Boston? I'm here with Cradle Phil. Now! Okay. So I got in my car and I drove and I was like, I don't know what's going on. There's all these people with makeup outside. And it's like, you know, upside down crosses and someone's like burning something. And it's like, you know, people are saying things in other languages. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? I walk inside and I meet Richard and I, he, he smells good. He's got a, a wonderful beard. Um, he was extremely well spoken. He asked me like, and I can't, I won't even insult you by imitating you, but like, you know, is there a record store around here? And I was like, yes, can I take you? I'm like a little starstruck. I'm verklempt because I was like, this guy is way cooler than I thought he would be. Like, this was a good call that you, that you called me down here. And we go to this little old school mom and pop record store. And what does he leave with? Dave Matthews band and Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and like, when I think to myself, I guess it's amazing. Jesus, Jesus is a I don't think of Tale as old as time. I don't think of Disney. Like I just, I don't think of that. But now well, that Dis I've gone, Disney can be pretty dark, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, they take well, but they, they take from Hans Christian Andersen and all that. If you read exactly, things, exactly. I mean, like in, in Cinderella, they cut off their fucking feet. So, like, let's be real. Like all that shit is dark. You know what I mean? Yeah. Shit, how dark do you want to go? Yeah. So, but, uh, so, so yeah, and that. That was cool. It was just cool meeting Benny and his, his enthusiasm. And he was like, you've got to play on my record. And I was kind of scared. I was like, yeah, okay. I'll yeah. Play it. <laughs> quiet. I think we're all scared when we first meet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was, I was like, well, I like your energy. It sounds like, and then you're like, who else is on the record? And I was like, what, really? Like, I'm going to be on a record with like, Satchel and like, I was talking Nuno and J Loomis. And I was like, Really? Because obviously not a lot of people know who I am. They know the band Cradle of Filth, but they don't know who I am. Effectively, I'm questions. just a hired hand. You alluded to this. I have to ask questions for you because I wrote this down. It says you hate poor okay. grammar. So first off, all of us hate poor yeah. grammar. So I had to ask. Good. No, no, so you obviously <laughs> the, the term sense memory, correct? Because you're in theater. Sense memory. Mm. So yeah. when you, I was trying to make like a point, like where I was thinking to myself, how does this man who's so... Um, well-spoken, so articulate, so thoughtful and meaningful and deep in this band that is, to me, seems so overtly evil. And like, again, I would not let my children anywhere near them. Um, and unless you meet them and they all seem super fucking nice and like I want to go on a barbecue with them. But I think to myself, how does he get into character and get so angry? And I think to myself, do you think of there, 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 and your, 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 and just realize that all your fans can't use any of those things? And then just, is that what goes through your head? Because I feel like that that's the only way I could get as angry as I would need to, to channel the spirit of Danny Phil. I, I think that's going to definitely help in the future. Like two, two and two. And I just kind of keep thinking of all these things and the improper use of an Oxford comma and stuff like that. And I'll just be <laughs> like- said Oxford comma. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, I, I've never used it before, but you know what? I think I'm going to be even angrier at Cradle of Hill shows from now on if I adopt this <laughs> method. You know? Well, then, okay, so I have to ask you another question. So I went and read the lyrics to um, some of the songs, and they're very well written. 
I mean, I don't know why he's yes. angry, but extremely, extremely well written. And I was reading mm. an article about the United States uh, about when the presidents speak. How, what language? What level of reading would it be if you were to read a transcribed speech? And the average median of the last ten presidents is subpar to Danny Filth from Cradle of Filth. <laughs> What yeah, does that say? Just, Hold on, but what does that say about either Danny Filth taking his wonderful talents and writing such filth, or about the United States that we can't fucking be literate? So many things. <laughs> yeah, no comment at this time. Uh, no, um, <laughs> We're gonna call for our sponsors. There are none. Yeah. There are no sponsors yeah. anymore. Not even Lost Symphony. Well, no. Okay, but we got we got so derailed. I mean, as much as this is a great conversation, where we uh, do, should we go back to talking about premeditated and like the writing process? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's <laughs> so where. Just, it to be, just to be the voice of reason here for a sec. Benny <laughs> got distracted. I, I got twenty twenty by myself. <laughs> I'm sorry, all guys. These people, they're, they're I apologize sitting waiting. formally. Yeah. Everyone's sitting waiting. Like, what did all he right, think well, of when he wrote? But that's this? why they like you, Siobhan, because you're the you're you're the listener going. But why, Ben? Why are you shut the fuck up and just listen? This is why I'm buying a foghorn for the next episode because that's the only <laughs> way for me to get louder than you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so let's let's bring it back, Richard. Let's get yeah. nerdy again. Let's hear what, yes. you, what your thoughts on the, the composition of that solo. Yeah, it, it was a strange one because it, it just became one of those things where I, I got like an MP3 of it and I was like, okay, let's, let's hear what's going on. I listened to like the whole track, not just the bit I'm going over. Because like, what I don't want to do is just do whatever yeah. and it doesn't fit the rest of the track, yeah. which it always kind of annoys me when I get sent guest solos and they go, oh, here's the section you're going to be soloing yeah. over. And you go, right. hey, they're going, what about the rest of it? Like, if there's any vocals, because I like to do things where I can relate things to other instruments or take a melody from something else and build on it. And so, we're, so it just we clearly now. lost interest. Ben is, is just tapped out on on this stuff. It's <laughs> that's it. <laughs> no. No, that, that, He's that, like, that. what melody? No, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but but it became one of these things where I was like, okay, I, I see what what's going on. Benny was basically like, just shred, and it, even that term is like a funny term in itself because it's like, okay, how far do you want me to go with this? I know it's a guitar-based album, but it's still got to be musical. Like <laughs> like I, I don't I don't want it just to be a oh look what I can do kind of thing because that gets very boring very quickly mm -hmm. because there's always someone who's going to be better than you. So it gets to the point where technical stuff doesn't become impressive unless there's some musicality to go alongside it. And it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, I could do this. The theory brain came switched on a little bit when I was like, okay, I could do this, I could do that, I could do that. And then after a while, it was like, I'm just going to roll tape and just see what happens. Is that is that a strategy and, you do? Do you loop it and just kind of try different ideas, find motifs and, and move Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the theory brain is switched on to a point where I go, okay, this is what I can do here. This I can kind of almost map it out, even without a guitar in my head. I go, I could do this here. I need to be able to do this here. Like when things pick up, like, because that solo builds. Like, mm -hmm. I take my solo away from it, everything underneath builds. Mm -hmm. And what I don't want to do is go against that. I want to work with the music that's there. And it's, it's amazing how many guitar solos I've heard recently where you go, they're just doing their own thing. It's, yep. mm -hmm. it's still got to be part of the band. 
band. It's still yeah. going to work musically. Um, and I was like, okay, so I kind of map it out in my head going, well, I could do this at the start, this in the middle, and this at the end. Everything in the middle is kind of, let's see what happens. And basically we just like improvised like four or five takes. And then after a while it was like, okay, now it's, it, we got a little bit of a structure happening. Mm-hmm. So I kind of go with the first idea. Usually the first, that's a David Gilmore thing. It's like, it's almost like the first idea is usually the best. Yeah. And I don't like fight it too much. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it, then it feels most expressive. I like to capture it while it's still spontaneous. Mm-hmm. But then we'll go in and go, okay, let's get this bit better. Let's get this bit better. And, and so that was where my friend Danny Beardsley, who was insane musician and guitar player, he, and, but he knows insane. how to do all the tech side of things. So he was really good at like producing me through it. It was good to have another guitarist produce it alongside me because if I produced it myself, knowing that everyone was going to hear it and guitar players are going to judge me for it, I was like, okay, it needs to be good. It needs to be clean, executed well, but still have that energy. Mm-hmm. And Danny was really, really, really. See, here's good the thing: at is though the, the, the thing is though the only problem with that logic is I feel like the best producers, like me and Corey are the frustrated guitar players that aren't as good as you that actually know more than you because they can't play like you. So they know like what you should do. Whereas Danny Beardsley is so yeah. good that you aren't as good as him. I am not as good as him. No mortal on the planet is good, as good as him. So like no. what, about telling a mere mortal, it's like, Oh yeah. It's like, it's like Schwarzenegger telling me to like bench 4,000 pounds. It's never going to happen. So like as much as I understand your process i disagree with how you got there because like really i feel like it's frustration and hatred and knowing that you're never gonna be good (laughs) and that waking up like no matter how much i practice today and even having five years on top um i will never be as good as you i'll never be as good as siobhan and the good thing about Corey is is that he at least has accepted how terrible i am (laughs) to reach for just neutral is something that i think has become attainable and to realize that that's the best you're ever going to get is really uh, what people should acknowledge in their lives because some people will only get to neutral. So oh my um, God. I think it's amazing that you guys are so Another uplifting speech that. from Benny. Right. Well, yeah. well, to revert it back yeah. to like a, a positive. We've been 2020 by Benny right now. Exactly. Set the no. bar low. <laughs> yeah. Set the bar low. No, it's but, not that I want to yeah. set the bar low. It's because I can't ever be as good as you. No, but listen, what, what I, what, the positive thing I do take out of that is that I think it really, it's very easy to go down the rabbit hole. And I know it's the same with me. And of course, I was super late, you know, to even get into the idea of writing or improvising or coming up with solos, because that's just not at all what violinists do. We read like pre-composed music. But, mm-hmm. you know, even it's, it's super helpful for me to even work with somebody that knows absolutely nothing about violin, because then it becomes more about the music, you know, and not about like, yeah. what is it technically that you want to show off here? So I work with Brock all the time, you know, because he's, really good at hearing things that I normally wouldn't hear. He doesn't know who Brock is, so Brock is the lesser half of... Uh, of and he plays on premeditated. He does the rhythm guitars. Yeah, he does the genty stuff. Um, and he's actually in, incredible. He's still... Listen, he's way better than me. I'm not saying that, like, <laughs> I'm better, so I'm not throwing stones in a glass house. I'm just saying he's not at Siobhan level, but he's he is her lesser half, And but he's dreamy. So, I mean, I guess you guys have a lot. <laughs> no, Sorry, but I mean, he heard... I just want to hear some relativism. 
No, of course. But of course, he heard your solo and was just like, oh, God, I feel inadequate. <laughs> yeah. so, we, all, we all felt that way. Don't worry. Ah, yeah, oh, but oh, thank you. But it's, it's, a, it's so cool. I mean, especially for me, because it's so cool to hear the, the process of writing solos, because like these guys know Benny and Corey. It's like it's so out of my like still in many ways out of my comfort zone, because writing and composing was just not a part of my Perfect training at all. Perfect segue to the question that I wanted to ask both you, Siobhan, and both you, Richard, is um, so one of the most incredible things I've learned being a teacher um, is getting someone who's as talented as Siobhan to realize how as talented she is at composing, for example, and how good she is at all these things. Because at school, she's like, this is right and this is wrong. And it's like, no, Siobhan, you can do whatever you want. If it sounds good, you can do it. Oh, no, I can't. Like, because everyone's always yelled at her. And now she just, she can... And, and being able to see her like fly on her own and literally just murder it against everybody was such a wonderful feeling. So I'm gonna ask you guys, when did you realize you wanted to teach other people? What was the moment that you decided that it was worth taking your time to teach people that didn't know as well as you at, your, at whatever instrument? And um, like you realize that that was your power because I know I'm not as good as Siobhan, but I'm good enough to know that she is better than she thinks she is. And that's <laughs> a skill. It is, well Richard, how about you go first? Uh, what a lady. It was, yeah, what a lady. <laughs> um, I, I, it, it's a weird one because I think I was very, very lucky, but I had great teachers who were in the industry, but they're also sharing their knowledge. And I think I just assumed that's just how it went. It's like, if you, if you know something, you share it. I, I didn't know any other way of share, like gaining knowledge and sharing knowledge. That was just what it is. Teachers in the music industry who taught you the secrets of being in the industry, of longevity in the industry, and getting good on your instrument. And I just was like, well, okay, so I do that as well. And then I just got to a point where I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I still enjoy it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. But And those are the moments of teaching I just really enjoy. When you get those, like, the penny drop moments when you're teaching something, like these, whether it be a technique thing, a theory thing, a reading thing, an improvisation thing, whatever it is. And that penny drop moments when we go, Oh, and then all of a sudden, the next thing that they come out with straight after that happens is like that. It's like a, that's it. That's why you do it, and it's it doesn't matter what level they're at. Every lesson I teach, there's always that penny drop moment. Wait, and that as I say, that next thing they play after they've got it is like so cool and so inspiring yeah. in itself. Like they just unlock a door somewhere else. And Siobhan, I remember you those answer, moments for me personally. I was gonna say before you continue. You put me in a trance, Richard, and I got to ask you guys this. Do you ever sometimes just zone out listening to, to Richard Shaw and think <laughs> maybe you should work in like the, like in the airplane industry? And then he just, like, like if you were telling me like that we're going down and that we're going to die, but like <laughs> saying the same exact like cadence that you just said it, I would be like, I'm cool. Like I, I went let, from the let, moment let, like let, just let not me, zoning you okay. out. Let me try it. <laughs> um, okay, hold on. Hold on. We're going to die. <laughs> I'm okay with everybody. Re everybody, relax. It's cool. It's cool. You know, we're gonna. We're all gonna die. We're all facing death anyway. We might as well do it sooner than later. You know. Um, I know. But I was, I I was really offended when you said that. Ben, let him finish. Yeah. Let him. Let him finish where he was. Where he was on. No, 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 no that was pretty much it. But I was just it's thinking. I, was, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know whether to be offended or not when you were like, does anyone else just kind of zone out? You're not boring, Benny. Well, you, you should always be offended my, by me. My, I'm just, I'm just 
boring to listen to. <laughs> no, I'm just trying. Yeah. <laughs> this is my spa day. I'm listening to a to a guy from over the pond speak like his wax philosophic. Fan. Yeah, I, with my I, fan. I just like I turn it into some crazy weird some water. UK ASMR kind of thing. If I'm just like that, <laughs> we're, we're all going to die. We're all <laughs> Yeah, no, it'd just be really, really strange. Maybe there's a niche there, but maybe there's a YouTube channel like oh, negative ASMR is. or something like yes, that. Yes, negative. Like, like, negative. Instead of like positive affirmations, just negative aff- yes. affirmations with my accent just whispered ear to oh ear. Oh my gosh. Something. I don't know. That might be useful to a lot of guitarists that are trying to compose solos. Like, you're not being yeah. musical enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No but one's to, but more to like, four, four, four is way too easy. Yes. You, know, to, to, you need to, you need thirteen. You need over a minute worth of thirteen. First off, by the way, tune to four forty-two. Tune to four forty-two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but to pick Sorry, up where you left off, like talking about teaching, I think that uh, you know, showing a student what they can do and seeing them even just in small amounts, like having those mm-hmm. moments, like you said, the penny drop moment, where it's like they're shown in a small amount what they can do, is so powerful. And I think that's really what keeps it going when I do have students because. You know, thinking about classical music training, even mine, I had some great teachers and I had some like, okay teachers, but so much of the training to me, if I look back, was based in negativity. You know, like this isn't in tune. Uh, This rhythm isn't good. Your articulation needs to be better here. And there was very little of, you know what, but this thing you did really well. And I've noticed that if I take that and I say this little thing you did really well, but we got to, you know, improve some of these other elements, it, it totally spins the perspective. And I think that's so much more empowering mm-hmm. for students, you know, to, to be able to set aside the things that they are doing well to give them that level of confidence. Because I think so many people get discouraged, you know, well, at I least say, in my can, perspective. Can I tell you something yeah, about Corey? Can I tell you something about Corey? Because he, he's taught me so much stuff because he's, he's first off, first off, he's the bass player in our band. So we want to understand the hierarchy before we continue the story. <laughs> but that said, You're I'm, unreal. But he also is a better guitar player than me, even though he's not the guitarist in the band, although Siobhan isn't a pianist either, so fuck you. Um, but the thing with Corey is, is that when I first started playing guitar in the studio, I, I had the nerve to think I was decent. And he's, he would always say things like, you've never make it in Nashville. What do you mean? I'm fucking awesome. And then, and I said then, that. I said that only after yeah. you said, "Do you think I would make it in Nashville?" Listen, <laughs> listen. And then that like, wasn't out of the blue. All right, need, re- that was not and out of the so blue. Many times, he is recontextualizing. So you, he loves. There's to do so this. many times that even for free, we sat in the studio and he's like, "You can do it better. You can do it. This sounds good." And it didn't sound good, and I probably couldn't do better. And he still made it sound good, and he did better. And that's something I gotta tell you that, like, I gotta tip my hat to Siobhan, to you, Richard, to Corey. I, I don't do this for anybody, but like you guys have all done this for me and one, humbling me, but two, making me realize how terrible I am so that I actually get better because the one thing I have learned is that I, if I don't make Corey upset, like now, even as an engineer, if I can send Corey the drums and he's not mad that like I either like one mic wasn't plugged in. Like I was only <laughs> off. I was off by three like, decibels on one mic. I think like one overhead was off. Yes. Like just one click or something like that on my fucking super nice console that there's no reason why it shouldn't be right. Um, because I don't have, you have ears to turn the I'm, knob to do things. Yeah. Well, I'm deaf and I'm just recording deaf things. So I just do it by sight. Um, and, but, but that said, if, if Corey's not mad at me, I know that I'm doing well and it really makes me feel good. And like, I feel like a lot of people like, like Siobhan focus on the positive, but where I focus on the negatives is if, if Corey's not mad. So I guess it's a double negative. So really it's positive. So it's like a <laughs> positive twice, but that like, if he doesn't hate it, 
that I have done what I have come here to do. And let me tell you, Richard, when we that's the kind of atmosphere music, I hope to when we listen to your first music, <laughs> when we heard your solo for premeditated the first, the destruction the first time, we definitely did not hate it. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the best compliment I could ever receive. And do you know what, do you know what, when I, when I heard the track, I, I honestly thought, well, I've heard worse. And, you know, and, and that was, so, and that's the best compliment we've been told, I can give you as well. We've been told more depressing by better, so yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> Listen, guys, we're, we're coming up on the end of the hour. Uh, this has been amazing. Uh, Richard, you're, goes you're by the too best. Fast. Um, oh, my God. Why, why, don't, why don't you tell people? I had questions for you, so maybe you'll well, have me Maybe we'll have to have show. you back, right? We'll yeah, have you back. Yeah, you can ask it. us so, questions. What yeah, I do want, our what's way very important here is I want you to let people know how they can find you, uh, you know, your social media, how they can take lessons from you and learn all the cool stuff you've been talking about and uh, just how they can follow Leave Cradle of Filth. shit at your door. Yes, that, you don't have to give your, you your address. Do, do you want an address? No, telephone no number, address. Social security number. What's your social security, <laughs> please? Yeah. Last four, last four. What's the th what's the three-digit code? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, you can just basically. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Both of them are at Richard Shaw Guitarist, and that's just for the easiest way to get hold of me because I'm always talking to people on there and I see all the messages and stuff. So that's the best place: um, Instagram or Facebook at Richard Shaw Guitarist. And go watch his underrated uh, guitarist because yes. so cool. That's, yeah, that's my favorite thing. So like I. I I'm going to end this by saying, um, first off, thank you for coming on to, on to 2020. It's been absolutely a pleasure. But, like, everybody, please um, check out Chapter 1 uh, at lawsifting.com. Listen to Richard play on premeditated destruction. But even better, go follow him. Maybe go sign up for some lessons if you want to learn since it's, like, quarantine and you have nothing fucking better to do. Such a great and, resource, yeah. And congratulations to you and the missus on the future you're the ones leading the world, man. And, and, and we look to you for hope. So thank you for being so much better than I had pegged you. <laughs> well, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. You never know. Maybe in the future, there could be a lost symphony like the, the children's edition. Like, you know, like... You like, can teach it to them. You know, like the, the day... Maybe the day after he's born. We'll give him a day off on the day he's born. But the day after he's born, like, like his theory training, like his lullabies will be like... In the circle of fifths or something yeah. like that in 13 yeah. you know yeah. like, like I'm just, yeah so and maybe we'll have the you know in a few years time 15 16 years time we'll have the next generation of lost symphony like, that sounds great man there we go. well richard thank Let's you for coming it. on you guys have all been 2020 go to the website ask any fucking question thank you richard shaw and listen to cradle of filth get their new record Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.